Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Today we're going to start a new sermon series, but it's a little bit different than a normal sermon series because it's going to be our summer study series. All right? So what I'd like to invite you to do, I'd like to invite you for the entirety of the summer to do two things. No, y'all don't, don't leave me yet. No, come, yeah, you can stay. I think it's good. Come on, Cam. Give us some Stapleton vibes, bro. Man, when you started playing that during the third song, about took me out. Some at Nashville church right there. You don't get that everywhere. You don't get that everywhere. Um, thanks, guys. I appreciate that. I, I just, I was in the moment. I felt like it was better. So what I'd like you to do is do two things. Number one, um, <laughs> sorry, it's family, okay? I'm having fun. I'm in God's house. I'm, I'm happy. Um, do two things. Number one is bring your physical Bible. Would you do that? I know some of you guys do that. I bring my phone a lot. I don't normally always bring my physical Bible because I have my iPad and I have my Logos app and all that, and we can read it off the screen. But I just want to ask you for the, st for the summer, please, would you mind to bring your physical Bible? If you're with me, say, I'm with you. Um, here's the second thing I'd love to ask you to do. Come every Sunday. <laughs> I mean, if you're on vacation, great, but watch online or whatever. But just get into the house because what we're going to be doing throughout our summer study series is we're going to be going through the book of Acts. All right? And I have never preached through an entire book of the Bible before ever. And as we were preparing for our summer study series, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to preach through the whole book of Acts. I was so excited about it. And then I read through a lot and realized there's 28 chapters. And I said, there is no way I would ever be able to preach through 28 chapters in eight Sundays. It's just not going to happen. Too much content. So here's what I decided to do. We're going to be teaching from the Bible on a summer study sermon series, four S's, on the early, early church, okay? So that's what it is. The early, say it with me, the early, early church. So we're gonna be studying for the next eight Sundays the first four chapters of the book of Acts, okay? So Acts one, two, three, and four, and we are gonna highlight the response of the church to the commands of Jesus in the early, early church. Now, this is such a key and strategic sermon series because if you've ever wondered, um, if you've ever wondered what Jesus meant when he said what he said in the Gospels, you can study the book of Acts and you can see the way in which the church listened to Jesus and responded to Jesus and took his commandments and made them their lifestyle. So if you're ever wondering like, what did, they, what did he mean by that? Did he really mean go? Did he really mean disciple nations? Did he, did he really mean baptize a bunch of people? Well, we can see that what Jesus said in the gospels shows up in the book of Acts. And so it's a worthy study. And so I wanna invite you, let's just dive right in to Acts chapter one today. And we're gonna read verses one through 11. Are you guys down for it? 
Okay, so here's what I want to ask you to do. We'll have it on the screen, but please open it in your app or open it up in your physical Bible right now, Acts chapter 1. And I want to invite you to stand because we are going to read uh, the Bible all together in concert as one. And you are going to be treated to an acoustical... Um, I don't know what we, what we call this. Melody. <laughs> okay, you guys ready? All right. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse six, so when they had come together, they ask him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We are so grateful that you speak to us through your eternally transformative word. We open our spirits wide today to receive the very seed of God that will bear much fruit in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask that you would minister to us. You'd minister to our spirits today. You'd minister to our minds today that you'd activate us further in the purposes of God for our life, that you'd connect us deeper in one heart and one spirit in this house. Lord, we say thank you and we align with everything you wanna do today in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen, 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 amen. amen. Amazing. How fun was that? So I'm gonna give you some homework. <laughs> got quiet all of a sudden. I'm gonna give you some homework, all right? Um, would you mind to read verses 12 through 26 this week? Can you finish Acts chapter one this week? Because next Sunday, we're gonna start with Acts chapter two, verse one. Okay, so that's your homework. Acts chapter one, uh, verse 12, all the way through 26. Now, before we dive into this too deeply, can I give you a little bit of an overview of the book of Acts? I'm going to try this side. So before we dive into this too deeply, I'm just wondering if you guys over here on this side, could I give you a little bit of an overview? <laughs> Thanks, Ben. I appreciate that slow clap, bro. Uh, <laughs> can I give you an overview, right, of the book of Acts? So 
Um, Acts is a very interesting book. The book of Acts is called the Acts of the Apostles, right? And we know there were 12 apostles uh, there at the beginning of the early, early church. And, uh, but really, truly, uh, this book is not actually the Acts of the Apostles. It's really only the Acts of two apostles, which are Peter and Paul. But more accurately, this book could be entitled not the Acts of the Apostles, but the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It could be titled the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the church. Because that's what we see time and time again throughout the entirety of this book. In fact, you'll see about 50 times, 50, 50 times throughout the book of Acts, there is a mention of the Holy Spirit. So this book is very much driven as the early church was by the Holy Spirit. This book is very much dependent as the early church was on the Holy Spirit. We must remember that the early, early church, the origins of our family of faith did not have New Testament scriptures printed out that they could keep in the pocket of their robes. That would have been amazing, but even to hear the Old Testament taught, you had to go to temple where a scroll was rolled out and a priest ministered to you. Today, we are so blessed, right? We have both the law and the prophets and the new covenant scriptures so accessible to us that we can download it with the tap of our thumb. It's pretty awesome. But the New Testament church, the early, early church, see, they didn't have access to the scriptures, but they did have access to the spirit, which I find pretty interesting because we're very reliant on the scriptures today, which is amazing. But the early, early church didn't have the scriptures. And unfortunately, we're not very reliant upon the spirit today, which the early, early church was extremely reliant because it is all that they had. Now, when you read through the Gospels, right, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you've got the synoptic Gospels. Those were all written pretty much uh, around the same time. They used uh, one another's writings and stories to reflect upon to write their Gospels. And so you've got Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But then you have John, right? John the Beloved being such an Enneagram for, you know, writing his own Gospel that had to be unique and different and especially significant because that's just a type of artistic flavor that John walked in, which I appreciate. And then you have the book of Acts, which comes right after the Gospels. And so you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then you have Acts. And uh, some theologians would consider it to be this. It's the Acts, or excuse me, it's the Gospels of the Apostles, but then Acts is actually the Gospel of the Holy Spirit. So in a sense, it's its own Gospel directed, dependent, completely and entirely upon the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Ghost. The book of Acts is actually a wonderful, wonderful book because in the Gospels, you have Jesus presenting as well as demonstrating the kingdom of God. Amen? He preaches not the gospel of salvation. This is actually important for us to remember. Jesus doesn't come preaching and teaching the gospel of salvation. Jesus comes preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom. Right? You guys know that, right? So he comes preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, and that's what we read. We read these uh, gospels that are about the kingdom. Uh, and then we have this gospel about the Holy Spirit. And then for the rest of the Bible, uh, you see letters that are actually written to churches. 
And so there's a beautiful merger, there's a beautiful marriage, if you will, from both parts of the New Testament. You have the kingdom and you have the church getting married in the book of Acts by the power of the Holy Spirit, which is actually pretty wonderful because biblically, if you're a kingdom person, you're a church person. All right, now I'm gonna have to try this out over here. So biblically, if you're a kingdom person, you're a church person. It's, it's true, it's true, because if you read through the scriptures, if you read through the Bible, you will recognize this merger. You have the gospels, you have the kingdom, you have Acts, you have the churches. You guys with me? So Acts is a very, very important book. Acts is, in a very real sense, an interpretation of the gospels. Acts, in a very real sense, is an expression of what it looks like to fulfill the Great Commission. If you read through the entirety of the book of Acts, you'll see that they obeyed Jesus and they went back to Jerusalem, right? You're going to see that next week when you come back next Sunday with your physical Bible and we read Acts chapter 2. You're going to see that the disciples listened to Jesus. They went back to Jerusalem. They received the Holy Spirit. And then what happened? They were sent out. They ministered to Jerusalem. Where'd they go next? Judea. Where'd they go after that? Samaria. Where'd they go after that? To the uttermost parts of the known world, the earth. They did exactly what Jesus commanded them to do in our reading today. And so if you ever wonder what it looks like to obey Jesus and actually do the Great Commission, you have access to that information and it's called the book of Acts. The book of Acts is an important book. It's a strategic book. It's a life-giving book. It's an impartational book. It's a testimonial book because it shows us what our life could look like if we obey Jesus at his word. I don't, I, you know, I don't think we just read the Bible. I believe the Bible reads us. And in many ways, the scriptures prophesy to us about the potential of our lifestyle. And so we should be confronted by the book of Acts, but I recognize that's why some people don't want to read it. I don't want to hear anything about the supernatural because then I'll have to be accountable for what it is that I've read and then I'll have to ask myself the question why I don't see more supernatural miracles working on my behalf in my life while I steady call myself a believer. <laughs> it's confrontational, right? It smacks you in the head and says, hey, this is the lifestyle that's available to you through your inheritance because of what Jesus paid for on the cross in the Gospels. So read about that lifestyle because we're not simply worshiping the Jesus that gave the messages pre-crucifixion. We're worshiping the Jesus that has risen, resurrected, and is now sitting down at the right hand of the Father. I know everybody's obsessive of the lifestyle of Jesus pre-crucifixion, but where are the Christians that are obsessive of the lifestyle of Jesus post-resurrection? Because that is the new creation reality that we've been called into. We don't have to stress over, man, if I could just be like Jesus before he got crucified, well, that's not what you're called to live out. Come on, who am I helping in here this morning? We're called to live out a new covenant, resurrected reality. That is life in the kingdom of God because that's what Acts sets up for us and says, here it is, live like this. It's possible, you have that potential. And here's an example. They didn't have frequent flower programs and yet they evangelized all of Asia. They didn't have Facebook and yet they shared the gospel with their entire community. 
They didn't have anybody preaching and teaching to them from the New Testament scriptures, and yet they drove out demons, and yet they eradicated poverty, and yet they took care of widows and orphans, and yet they cleansed the leopard and healed the blind, healed the mute, and raised the dead. I mean, it's amazing what God does with just a handful of people that laid down their life and said, I'll obey Jesus no matter what it looks like. I mean, it's honestly, it's pretty phenomenal. You read this like, man, this is amazing. You know, Luke, so Luke, right, the physician, he wrote the book of Acts. I love the fact that a physician wrote the book of Acts. Somebody who's super intellectual and cerebral is writing about all these supernatural miracles. That's how you know it's real. Because if there was anybody that probably did not want to believe it was Luke. <laughs> He's got his medical journals out. That doesn't make sense. You're not supposed to be able to talk when you're born mute. Right? That just doesn't make any sense. Doesn't fit the analytics. They were supposed to have died by now, but Jesus laid hands on them. You see what I'm saying? One time, guys, real talk. I was in Mozambique, right? In Africa. And we were doing outreaches. And there was a team from Harvard there. And they had heard about the miracles that were taking place in Mozambique. And so they came to study whether or not the miracles were actually real. And so... Uh, we were with Heidi and Roland, and they said, yeah, yeah, it's totally fine. Come on over, test the people. And so we went out to do outreach, and they had this big, long line. There was a, a, a Land Rover with a, you know, a, a medical cross on it, and they said, anybody who wants to receive prayer for their healing needs to come over to this truck and be interviewed by these students from Harvard. And so if people said, oh, I, you know, I'm deaf, well, they put the headphones on them, and they tested them. Yep, sure enough, they were deaf. Oh, I can't see very well. Okay, here's an eye chart. See, okay, tested them. Yeah, they're right. They can't see very well. And then it was like an assembly line. They went from the students. They came over to a different set of students, which were all missionaries in training, people like 21, 22, 23. They didn't have any theological expertise or anything. And so it's like, hey, pray for these people. And then we're standing over there and we pray for them. And they're, okay, amen. Then they go right back over to the uh, research truck and then they test them again. And I've seen the actual factual research papers and it was something like 80% reported getting better or completely healed. Seriously, this happened. That's the book of Acts. And this is what's cool about the book of Acts is there's no amen in the book of Acts, meaning it's never ended. It's the only book in the Bible without any clear conclusion. You know why? Because Acts is still happening. Yeah. Acts is literally still happening today through the church. You and I are very realistically Acts chapter 29. As Paul said, we are all living epistles. Acts is still being written through your obedience. And this is possible for everybody, every single believer. You know how I know that? Because the Holy Spirit, which we'll talk about next week, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, was given to Everybody in the room, all of the 120, not just the apostles. It was for everybody, every single person. Now, I am not suggesting throughout this series that we should return to the form or the formula of the book of Acts. Because there are certain things in Scripture, you got to get this, that are descriptive. And there are certain things in Scripture that are prescriptive. All right, you, you need to remember that as you read through Scripture. It's not everything is like, oh, we got to do it just like that we got to follow that formula to the T. Well, it's not about form and formula, right? It's about obedience. 
and the Spirit fell on their sacrifice of obedience because they obeyed rightly. In a very real sense, what we'll see next week, Acts chapter 2, the fire falling upon the church is the Father accepting the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Oh, y'all didn't hear me because, see, fire always falls upon acceptable sacrifice. We've been taught that fire falls on sacrifice, but the truth is fire falls on acceptable sacrifice. And when the fire fell in Acts chapter 2, it was the Father roaring from heaven saying, the sacrifice of the Lamb is accepted. That's beautiful, isn't it? That's amazing. I love being a part of the New Testament church. I mean, do you understand what we get to be a part of? You've got all of these amazing prophets which are talked about in the hall of faith, right? Hebrews chapter 11. And all of those prophets in the Old Testament that wrote out the law and the prophets, Moses himself, Abraham, Elijah, Elisha walking in the double portion, right? They looked ahead and they prophesied about the seat that you'd be sitting in today in 2021 as a New Testament Christian. And they said, man, there's going to come an hour where the Holy Spirit is not just going to be with his people for a moment. There's going to come a day when the Holy Spirit isn't just going to land on people for an assignment, but there's going to come a day, a future generation in which the Holy Spirit is going to take up residence on the inside of his people. He's going to live out through them and they're going to do the same exploits as the Son. Are you serious? This is what we get to be a part of. So look at, look at the book of Acts almost like, um, you can look at it almost like uh, Ancestry.com. Anybody use that? You know, you trace back your ancestors. You look, okay, who do I belong to? You know, find some old pictures, stuff like Alice and I have been doing that. And this is how you use the book of Acts in a very real sense. It's like you can look back and you say, okay, that's my origin. This is my spiritual family that I've come up from. Right? So that's what we can do. You can look at that. And you don't have to look at the form, okay? Don't look at the form. You know why? Because Haggai chapter 2 verse 9 said that the, uh, that, that the, the, the greater glory will be the latter glory, right? That the latter glory shall be greater than the former glory. And so we look back and we study the book of Acts, not so that we can get back to the form, but that, so that we can see what is actually possible to believe God for more. Church, uh, Jesus is not coming back for a dusted bride. Oh, busted and disgusted bride, right? He's not coming back for a divided bride either. An amputated bride. No, he's coming back, read Ephesians chapter five. He's coming back for a bride without spot and a bride without wrinkle. And that's what we must be believing God for. Not that we're trying to get back to the book of Acts. It's that we're trying to move forward into the glory that God has called us into through the power of Christ Jesus while walking with the Holy Spirit. I plan on going verse by verse and this is just the overview. So I need to hurry up. Okay, um, verse one. How y'all doing? It's hot. We see guys a sip of Gatorade. We started. Get my hanky. I've been using my wife's like face creams and stuff, so I look younger. And I sweat it all off in the worship. Vitamin C or whatever it is. <laughs> Spend more time in the glory. You look younger. Okay, verse 1. Hallelujah. 
in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and uh, teach. I love Luke. I have dealt with all. No, you haven't, bro. But that's a nice try, though, right? Because you remember whenever it was like, if you could record everything that Jesus did, the world wouldn't have enough books to contain it. But he's a physician. Remember that. He's like, I got to get exact, you know, so I got it all. I got it all down, right? And what does he say? I have dealt with all that Jesus began to what? And how many people think that Jesus was just a great philosopher? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus was a good man and a good teacher. No, no. Listen, we see right here from the very first uh, scripture in Acts chapter 1 that Jesus was more than a teacher. Jesus was more than a philosopher. Jesus was more than a wise sage. Jesus actually did things. Jesus did not come just to give us a presentation of the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus came to give us a demonstration of the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. He said, listen, this is what the kingdom is. And then listen, this is what the kingdom looks like. The kingdom of God looks like this. It looks like healings. It looks like miracles. It looks like raising the dead. It looks like preaching the gospel to the poor. This is what it looks like. He didn't come just for a presentation. He came also to give a demonstration, which is the lifestyle that you and I have been called into as people of the book of Acts. A supernatural lifestyle. The gospels, see, the gospels show us where Jesus started preaching and teaching. But in the book of Acts, we see how the church and Jesus continues to do the very things that he taught about in the gospels. So he started doing and teaching in the Gospels, and then the church continues doing and, doing and teaching in the book of Acts. And that's what you have to recognize is that the ministry of Jesus is still going on today. Luke in his first book, you know, he wrote about Jesus' earthly ministry. And then Luke here in his second book, he wrote about Jesus' heavenly ministry. Oh, that's good. He moved from earthly ministry to heavenly ministry, and that's how we get the book of Acts. Look at verse 2. Let's cruise through these a little bit here. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, right? What I love about this verse of Scripture is that it reveals to us that Jesus, the Son of God, who is God, to be clear, was absolutely, completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit which is absolutely fascinating, right? Because if Jesus, who is the Messiah, was completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit as God, how much more should we be completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit as his church? Everything that Jesus did, he did it through the Holy Spirit. You can look at Luke chapter 1, verse 35. He was born of the Spirit. You can look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. He was anointed by the Spirit. You can look at John chapter 3, verse 34. He was filled with the fullness of the Spirit. You can look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. He was led by the Spirit. You can look at Luke chapter 4, verse 18. He spoke and taught by the Spirit. Matthew chapter... 12, verse 28, he cast out demons by the Spirit. Matthew chapter 12, he healed the sick by the Spirit. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, he was offered on the cross by the Spirit. Romans chapter 1, verse 4, he was resurrected by the Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 5, he has baptized and empowered his church by the Spirit. Revelation chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, he now directs and governs his church by the Spirit, which is why John the Beloved said, here what the Spirit has to say to the churches. 
just, just all those scriptures right there poured out so that we could know clearly without doubt that Jesus did all that he did in complete dependency upon the Holy Spirit and in complete submission to the Father. If that was the lifestyle that he lived, should that not be the lifestyle that we endeavor to live? And is that not the lifestyle of every disciple that we read about throughout the book of Acts? It is. They lived by the Spirit. And as New Testament Christians, this is the same way in which we are called to live as well. Let's look at verse 3. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. Uh, one, I, love, I love one version that says, by many infallible proofs, which it's absolutely accurate and true, that Jesus resurrected a man, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. How many of you guys want that podcast when you get to heaven? I want that revival tent meeting, 40 day night, move of the Holy Ghost. I want that sermon series. Jesus, what were you talking about for 40 days about the kingdom of God? If you're interested in what that mystery might be, read the book of Acts. Because whatever it was that he told his apostles, they went out and did it. See, these, these mysteries that we sort of misunderstand and can't quite comprehend as we read through the Gospels, if you'll read the book of Acts, you'll see you'll see how they chose to live out the instructions that Jesus gave them previously. This is what we endeavor to do. We do this. We look at the book of Acts. It helps us understand this. And the book of Acts makes it very clear that by many infallible proofs, Jesus showed himself as being alive to the church, to the book of Acts, to the apostles, to the disciples. And that is the secret sauce of Christianity, church family, is that Jesus is in fact alive and by many infallible proofs he has shown himself to be if jesus is not alive we're wasting our time if jesus is not alive church as we know it is a sham we might as well be a ymca or a crossfit team or something social club but because jesus is alive it changes everything Right? So he said, hey, li listen, if, if Jesus is not alive, this is another dead religion founded by another dead man. That's all this is. But because Jesus is alive, the church exists. But because Jesus is alive, salvation exists. But because Jesus is alive, signs, miracles, and wonders are all possible. Because Jesus is alive, we have Christianity. And because Jesus is alive, we have the book of Acts. If Jesus had not risen, the book of Acts never would have been written. But it was written in response to what Jesus spoke to them and response to what Jesus showed them, which is why it shows up in the book of Acts as the central theme of every sermon. If you read the book of Acts, you're going to see Peter. He's going to stand up. He's going to give the first sermon of the early, early church. And what does he talk about as a central focus? Jesus has resurrected. He is, in fact, alive. The same guy you guys crucified just a little bit ago, he's alive. Yeah. 
Read, read, you know, read through the book of Acts and you'll see there's another apostle. His name is Paul. He goes to the Gentiles despite the fact that he had the equivalent of three PhD, PhDs in, in Jewish theology. And he comes in preaching and teaching. And what does he talk about? Jesus is alive. That's the central focus of the early church. Therefore, it must be the central focus of the modern church. It's amazing to me how many podcasts you can listen to by people talking about Christianity and never say anything about Jesus. Let's talk about Christians. Let's talk about church. Well, hey, we're talking about Jesus. <laughs> we're talking about Jesus who's in the room right now. You know why? He's alive. Because he's alive. This is the central theme. This is the central focus of the entire book of Acts. Verse 4. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. I'd just like to point out real quick that another name for the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father, which I think is a beautiful name. Another name for the Holy Spirit, church family, is the promise of the Father. That means you don't have to work up the Holy Spirit. That means you don't have to work hard enough to receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is actually the promise of the Father to you. It is a gift from Him to you. There's nothing that you could do to stop Him from giving it to you because He gave it to you long before you ever a thought in your parents' minds. It is the promise of the Father. Just receive it like a free gift, like a gift on Christmas. It's the promise of the Father, of a good Father, of a great Father, of a generous Father, of a Father who wants what's best for you. He gives you the Holy Spirit because He loves you. Another name for the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. And I don't know if that delights your heart as much as it does mine, but that just makes me feel like warm and fuzzy. Wow. I get to receive the Holy Spirit as a promise from a good Father. Verse 5. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I love that he puts water baptism and spirit baptism in the very same verse. And he said, hey, look, here's New Testament reality. This is what it looks like to live a kingdom lifestyle. You're going to get dunked in the water. And <laughs> you're going to get dunked in the spirit, man. I just think... From now on, when we baptize people, we should pray for them to be baptized in the Holy Spirit at the same time. You know why? Because we have precedence of the fact that Jesus received both, bapti both baptisms simultaneously. Right? He got baptized, and then what happened? The Spirit came down like a dove, and he was baptized in both water and in spirit. New Testament Christians are called and have received a promise from God personally that you are well able to be baptized in both. And if you've never been baptized in water or the spirit, come to the next encounter night, sign up. We will baptize you in the water and we will trust that the Holy Spirit will baptize you in himself. And I believe it will happen. Happen last encounter night. It's going to happen the next encounter night. And it's going to keep happening for all kinds of new covenant Christians who are going to go after the early, early church lifestyle. I believe that. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Now, this is really where I want to hang the nail for the last few minutes. And by a few minutes, maybe 10. I know you're hot. Are you guys still hot? 
I'm all right. Well, I'm hotter than I was previously. <laughs> verse eight. But you. So like this is important, right? If you're looking for one verse of scripture out of the entirety of the whole chapter of the book of Acts, you can look at verse eight and say, oh, this is this is it. Okay, so you guys with me on that? Like, this is it. This is it. Church, just say with me, this is it. All right, let's look at verse eight. But you will receive power. Come on, every Pentecostal in here. Power. Ah. <laughs> all the, all the cares, all the, hey, all the, <laughs> all the charismatics in here, like dunamis, whoosh. Yeah, you know, I love that about you guys. I appreciate that about you guys because I'm a Pentecostal as well, so I get it. Uh, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And what? And you will be my, you guys say this with me. Witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, we've already covered that this was obviously true and obviously heard and obviously obeyed by the church in the book of Acts because they did it and Acts records the history of it. How did they do it? How were they able to do it? Why were they able to do it? It's because they obeyed Jesus by going to Jerusalem first and waiting on something, which was the promise of the Father, which endowed them with supernatural, you guys say it with me again, power. Power. I don't know about you, but I could use some more power in my life. Who am I preaching to in here this morning? You're like, man, I'll use a little more power. I like some of that wonder-working power. Hey, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. Did you sing that growing up? In Kentucky, they sing par, par. That's how they sing it in Kentucky. Par, par, wonder-working par. In the name of the Lord. Is that how it goes? Power, wonder-working power. Is that how it goes, Nira? It's not? How's it go? In the blood of the Lamb. See, y'all grew up in church. Power. Hey, I need some more power. Look at your neighbor right now and say, hey, I need some more power. I need some more power. 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 How are you going to get that power? I can tell you we're going to get the power. You're going to get the power from the promise of the Father because he promised it to you through his son Jesus who is not a man that he should lie and we know from the word of God that no word will ever return to him void but will accomplish the very purpose in which the father has intended that is your inheritance that has been purchased for you by the blood of Jesus on the cross so that you could live out a lifestyle of so much power that it would be possible through your life for the nations of the earth to receive the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus. Now that right there is so transformative to think about. If you get messed up in that, you will become a revolutionary. Power, power, power. Are you serious? Power? What, what does power mean right now? We, you know, jokingly, I was like, dunamis, right? But that is what it means, actually. Um, if you've ever looked it up in the Greek, it means dunamis. Dunamis is where we get our word dynamite. Now, they didn't have, the, they didn't have dynamite back then, so he didn't mean dynamite. We've gotten that later. I know some people are like, dynamite power. And I'm like, well, they didn't really have dynamite. So they wouldn't have come to that conclusion, but it's a good thought. Um, Thank you for that. 
And dunamis, here's what it means, ability. All right, everybody say ability. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive heavenly, holy, Jesus levels of man, no oh man. I felt it. I felt it. I felt it. I said, oh, you tell me. Looking like Kobe in the flow. Ability. That's pretty good, isn't it? But see, there's another Greek term. It is this. It's exousia. You guys want to try on some Greek? Say this with me. Exousia. Right? You know what exousia means? Authority. See, there's a double definition of power in the New Testament. And so whenever the Father speaks through Jesus, the independency to the Holy Ghost, Jesus says, hey, I want you to wait for a promise that I'm going to give to you on the basis of my work and not yours. And here's what it comes with. It is supernatural ability. It is supernatural authority. It's ability that Jesus has, it's authority that Jesus has, it's the ability that the Holy Spirit has, it's the authority that the Holy Spirit has. This is what you get to receive as a result of waiting on me. Is that freaking anybody out yet? Like it's scaring you like, what in the world, are you serious? I have the ability and the authority of the Holy Spirit? Yes, you do. Come on, who's getting upgraded in this house this morning? Like, I have the ability and the authority of the Holy Spirit. I have the ability and the authority of the Holy Spirit. Come on, shout that over yourself. I have the ability and the authority of the Holy Spirit. That should change your life right there. If we didn't talk about anything else for the rest of the day, you could get up, fist bump somebody and go home knowing I have the ability and the authority of the Holy Spirit. So I do have wonder working power. Shut up in my bones for good too. It's not going anywhere. The Holy Spirit is a permanent resident of your heart. Your spirit, your soul, he's taken up residence on the inside of you and he gives you his power, he gives you his ability, he gives you his authority, and what is that power for? Right? What do you have that power for? Make money? Be successful? Be well known? Get that girl you're crushing on. <laughs> Get that man you've been stalking. <laughs> no, I, 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 think it's, I think it's such a good point in any sermon to say, I have the ability and the authority of the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. I have the authority and the, okay, but why? But why? Why do you have it? 
Why do you have that power resting upon your life? Some of us have dormant power resting upon our life. Some of us have like this apathetic, unstirred up type of power resting upon my, our lives, but it's there, it's there. And it, and it can and it will be released so long as you channel it in the right direction. What's the right direction? The direction in which Jesus requires us to point that authority and that ability, which is to do what? Which is to witness. Which is to witness. That's what the Bible says. Jesus says, you're going to have power to become my witnesses. You want to learn a little more Greek? Just real quick. So the word there, witness, you know what it is? It's, it's martis. Everybody say martis. What's martis mean? It's our word for martyr. I want to release the power of the Holy Ghost. I want to release the ability and the authority of the Holy Ghost. Lord's like, cool, die. But I thought I was going to get to keep the ability and the authority to do with it whatever I wanted to. He said, no, no, the authority that is resting upon your life, the ability that's now resting upon your life is so that you can become a witness. You guys ever, you guys ever watched Judge Judy before? I, like, I kind of like Judge Judy. She's... She's savage. You, you ever notice that whenever there's a trial and there's a debate and they really need some evidence, they call somebody up to give a testimony. They say, hey, we need somebody to come up here and testify. Hey, I, I need somebody to come up and testify so let me call to the stand and I let me call to the stand and I witness notice Judy didn't say let me I need a testimony so let me call to the stand somebody with third party information Hey, let me call somebody to the stand that has heard something about something about something that once upon a time somebody said was true about the word and that God could actually do it. Uh, let me call to the stand somebody to testify who wasn't actually in the room when the miracle took place, but they heard about it. No, 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 no. If your testimony is to be powerful, then you must become a witness. Because the people who have words that are weighty and they're powerful and their testimony comes with power and brings breakthrough are people who've actually seen something and heard something in their own life. They say, Jesus did and Jesus taught. I have watched and I have heard and now I'm here to give my eyewitness testimony. That's the truth about a testimony. For us to become witnesses. And we'll get into this next week, man. But I, I just think that we have a generation. We've heard enough. Right? The Holy Spirit was given what happened. There was the sound of a mighty rushing wind. We've listened to enough podcasts. We've heard enough lectures. We've heard enough sermons. 
We've heard enough stories, good and bad. We've heard enough. And in a very real sense, we've seen enough too of everything that the enemy tries to put in front of our face so that we'll stay distracted as to not seek to see anything from the kingdom. We've heard enough. The sound came into the upper room, but they waited and they didn't stop with the sound and say, oh man, glorious, wonderful. Man, thank God we got a hit record. I'm talking about us, legacy. Thank God, man, people follow us on YouTube. Y'all hear that sound? Ooh. That was cool. You can't stop with the sound. You have to continue into the scene of God actually do something to be a witness and to have a powerful testimony. And what is it that they saw? The fire came in. Kristen talked about the fire. The fire came in and it settled upon each and every person. Cloven tongues as a fire flickering. Look at your flame. Look at my flame. Look at the flame. Look at the flame. You got a flame too. Thomas has a flame. Even Thomas. He doubted. See what I'm saying? Mary has a flame. The mother of Jesus up there talking in tongues. <laughs> Every writer in the New Testament spoke in tongues. No, I do, I, do, I do need to finish up. But I think that gives us every bit of an invitation to want to do the same. To say, Jesus, you have a promise from the Father for me, and it's a baptism not only in water but also in spirit, and I want it. I want that book of Acts lifestyle. I want that supernatural lifestyle. Last verse of Scripture. Verse 11, because I think it's just a good one to finish with. Verse 11 now verse 10, and while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. I think it's very interesting. Because Jesus went up into heaven, right? He went in a cloud. He went bodily. He went personally. He went literally. He went visibly. He went gloriously. You guys get that list? And the Bible says that in the same way he went is the same way he'll return. Jesus come back, prove it right there. Acts chapter 1, verse 10 and 11. He went physically. He went bodily. He went literally. He went victoriously. He went gloriously. He went in a cloud in the same way that the men... And the women and everybody who was out there on Mount Olive saw him go up is the same way we'll get to see him come down. That's what it says. That's what the Bible says. And it's, it's, it's a really, really cool picture because I can't help but to think that everybody was like, oh, man, he's gone. What are we going to do now? Jesus, bro, we need you. You... You, you, you said to do a lot of stuff. We can't. It's not, it's not possible. I can't. You're going to have to. 
You're only here for three years. I, I need more discipleship. Hey, I, I, I need, what are you doing? I, you're my mentor. Hey, bro, uh, no, you're my life coach. I, what, no, are you gonna leave me like this? That, that's not, that's not gonna work. I'm not gonna be able to do it. It's not possible. And Jesus said, no, 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 I, I have to go to the Father. Because if I go to the Father, I will send you the helper. And the helper will lead you, will guide you, will teach you, and will empower you, and will be better for you. Jesus said, it is better that I go so that the Holy Spirit can come. And I know you might be thinking today, man, my Christian life would be so much easier if Jesus would just walk around me. Hey, Jesus. And he's like, Shh, don't be saying like, don't be talking like that. You're right, Jesus. Hey, pray for that person over there. Yeah, Jesus, you're right. You're right. You're right. I'm going to pray for that person. You're right. There's going to be so much power. What? It's going to be awesome. Come on. Jesus is about to heal you, bro. You see what I'm saying? Because how powerful would we feel knowing that Jesus is just walking around with us in bodily form, and yet Jesus said it was actually better for you that he leave so that the Holy Spirit can come and that God would no longer simply walk with you, but the Holy Spirit would live within you. And you'd have the same authority as Jesus and you'd have the same ability as Jesus because you'd have the same spirit as Jesus. The same spirit that was living in him would now live in you and this would be your new covenant reality. You know, you see these two men, they're in the white and they're like, hey, what are y'all looking at? It's over. You can just say, it's just getting started. He's all, he's all, he talks to him almost like, it's time to get to work, man. What are you doing? And last point I'll make. You remember in the Old Testament whenever Elijah went up? And Elisha was like. Remember what he got? I want to submit to you that in the same way that Elisha watched Elijah go up, the church. Watch Jesus go up. And a mantle fell. A mantle something that clothes you. And you will be clothed in power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Greater things will you do. Elijah had a double portion. What do you have? Come on, you are way more powerful than you think you are. Will you tell the person next to you, you are way more powerful than you think you are as you stand up. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to pray. Ooh. Come on, tell them on the other side. Say, you are way more powerful than you think you are. Who knows that old song? You know it, Near? Come on. 
<laughs> I just think I think I think this is the right way to go out. You agree? Come on, I need more agreement than the first two rows. Do you agree? Come on, let's go. They just went to get their mics. They didn't get translated. sing it out together as one. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.